All right, we have, this is the first Sunday in Lent, and we had a beautiful Ash Wednesday service. Um, and so I pray that if you are participating in, a, in Lent, that it's a holy Lent, that it's a time where you're intentional about increasing your time, and this is our basic discipleship program, it, that you're intentional about increasing your time in the means of grace, prayer and scripture, fellowship in the body, worship, service, that you increase that. And then you decrease the hold of the world and your reliability on the world for your happiness, for peace and contentment. And Lent's an intentional time. Um, When we talk about Lent, um, you know, in the Methodists, we always have a mixed bag of people that have done it in old denominations or even in Methodist churches and have not. But it's just in time to be intentional about uh, the things we want to practice every year. Um, so our series comes from uh, Matthew 7. I don't know why the Lord laid it on my heart, but just some scriptures in Matthew 7 stuck out to me, and I said, well, let's do Matthew 7 for all of Lent. Um, and I want you all to be ready, uh, not just for Lent, but uh, going into this new year. The Lord's really been speaking to me, and we got, God's got some things in store for us. Um, at Rockbridge, some exciting things, and I think the Spirit is going to move um, in, in big ways in this church. So I want you all to be prepared. I want you all to be committed uh, to be a part of that and to contribute to what God's going to do here. All right, our scripture, as we begin Matthew 7, uh, we're going to begin with verse 1, and we're going to go to verse 5 uh, for uh, this morning. Listen for the word of the Lord. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all of the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. This is the word of God for the people of God. So, this is a scripture about judging. I think this is timely in our culture today. I mean, there has been, I mean, not just in the past couple years, but uh, the, the judgment of others has just increased exponentially, right? We just, there's judging on all sides. This side's judging that side, that side's judging this. And we do it all the time, much more than I think we're willing to admit. We might not say it, it might not overt, but we're making judgments about people all the time. The first thing when we look at them, we're making a judgment, And so I think this is one of the most important concepts that we can talk about, especially in our country and our world today. And we have to understand what judgment is first, what in order to understand how we misuse things. And that's what we're talking about. It's not that we are talking about judgment as a bad thing. It is judgment being misused. Remember C.S. Lewis's quote that said, there is no such thing as pure evil or pure bad because God created all things. So 
all things in its original state has a purpose and are good. It is when they are misused by humanity that they become bad. And so judgment is no different. Judgment is a tool, and that's it. It's a tool for God, but it is a righteous tool. So when we talk about holiness, what does holiness mean? Holiness, the the technical version is to be set apart, right? When God's talking to his people, the people of Israel, he says, you are to be holy as I am holy. You are to be set apart from the world. And I'm going to give you laws and we're going to live in a covenant so that you will be set apart. The people will see how you are different and they'll see how you are different in the ways that I give you. And so you will be holy as I am holy. Well, how do we become set apart? You know, how do we see God's kingdom in this world? Well, the problem with that is that we, things aren't set apart. Things aren't separate, right? In the beginning, we had uh, creation, and it was perfect. And there was unity with God. There was unity with uh, humanity, and things were good. And in chapter 3, things go south. Remember the, the tree of good and evil. He says, don't eat from that tree. And remember, we, we go over this a lot. It's the temptation of our, to use our will over God's will, to use our will selfishly, that the serpent was after. To instigate that selfishness in us. But it was to stay away from the tree of good and evil. You can't handle good and evil. In that, in that, it was contained, it was good, there was no evil at that point. But once selfishness came in, then evil and goodness, righteousness and unrighteousness, sinfulness, it all got mixed together. It got stained, right? It's like putting ink in a bowl of water. It just, you know, it, it, it distorted it. And so now it's all, from that point on, it's been all together. And God is in the process of sifting it, of separating it. He tried it with the laws. He, he, he identified what good is. He identified what evil is through law, right? That's what law does. It identifies. It doesn't save And so it identified it, but it doesn't separate it. I mean, it shows us, but it's still mixed together. It's still um, messed all up. And so judgment is how God separates it. It's a tool of God. He must judge. It is good from evil. Remember the scripture, I think it's Matthew 25, when Jesus separates the, the, the goats from the sheep? There will be a separation. Heaven is heaven because there's no sin there. How do you determine that? God's judgment. So God's judgment is a righteous tool to separate good from evil, unrighteousness from righteousness, so that heaven will continue to be a place of purity where there is no more sin, there's no more selfishness, there's no more dying. It will continue to be that place. And so God has to make a judgment. This is good. This is evil. Does that make sense? 
Now, it, 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 we use that term, especially in Western uh, Christianity, uh, we use the judicial understanding of salvation a lot, and they all contribute to our understanding, but that brings this idea of judgment with punishment, and uh, you're being punished because you're evil. Well, now, just being uh, separated from God is judgment enough. You, you're put in with the rest of stuff that is not associated with God. In heaven, you're in, a, in heaven and you're blessed, or you're out. Right? So it's kind of black and white, and there has to be a judgment on that, or else it stays mixed together. So it's a righteous tool of love. It's, it's, it's not so much of that Western judicial, you know, you deserve to be punished. Being separated from God is the worst punishment. And that can be interpreted and relayed in all kinds of different metaphors to help us understand it. Some of them a little more obscure, some of them hellfire, right? But the point is, you're separated from God, and there's a judgment that separates evil from good, righteousness from unrighteousness. And so it's a tool, but like all tools... Like I take a hammer, we talk about hammers before. Hammer can build a birdhouse, it could build a, a cabin, it could build a wheelchair ramp. A hammer can, can do a lot of good. It can also bludgeon somebody to death. And so if it gets in the wrong hands with the wrong intent, a tool becomes a weapon. And it becomes weaponized. See, now we're getting to the nitty-gritty of our scripture. Judgment has a purpose. God, we need to have judgment. And in this sense, well, let me get to that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. So it's a tool. But a tool in the wrong hands becomes weaponized. And that's what our scripture is talking about. He says this tool of judgment, you're not to touch it. This has nothing to do with you. Because I'm not qualified to judge. I can't judge other sinners when I'm a sinner. I can't judge other humanists when I have my own stuff. I'm not qualified. Because when if I start to judge, I'm going to judge with my own bias, with my own agenda. It's going to be selfish judgment. Even if I try not to, it's going to sneak in. Does that make sense? Everybody agree that I should not judge anybody? Yes, okay. How about the other way? All right? We can't judge anybody. We're not qualified. I know I'm not qualified. Does it keep me from doing it? Not as much as it should. I have to repent about it a lot. And sometimes the Lord teaches me a lesson because I judge incorrectly. And it comes back to bite you. So, for many reasons, we should not be involved in judgment. Because we are only human. It is a tool. Because we, if we get a hold of judgment, we will weaponize it. We, when we, and this is why it says, you do not do this. Because we end up judging, um, and we'll judge for a variety of reasons. Two main reasons. We judge other people in that vain of how harshly punishment, righteous 
judgment, self-righteous judgment. But one reason we do it is to lift ourselves up. Right? I might not be able to always act like I should, and I might have these standards, and God has these standards that he's trying to draw me to, and I maybe fall short of them. You know how I feel better? Man, I fell short again. I, I, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling low. I'm feeling inferior. Oh, but I'm a lot better than that guy. Right? It's a short way to lift ourselves by putting other people down. Man, I was feeling really bad about myself, and then I heard their story. Or I saw them, and I was like, oh, I'm much better than that. I feel better. Right? So we use it, and, and that weaponizes it because that pushes other people down. The other reason we weaponize it, or, or it turns into a weapon, is because we end up deflecting our own sin. It's kind of very similar. But we feel so upset and inferior about our, our sin, and we say, and we might not have, and I always hate to use specific because everybody who has these sins is like, oh, he was talking about me, and I said, no, I'm just making up stuff, right? Oh, I might not have the sin or, of, I don't drink a lot, or I don't drink, uh, and so look at those people that drink. But you gossip like a mad hatter. Right? But we don't talk about that. This is, that's big in church, right? Churches will hold off these objective worldly sins. Oh, look at all those partiers and just Saturday night and da-da-da. And then they go around and they just gossip about everything all the time. Right? Oh, this reminds me of a joke. If someone just to say, oh, no. Yeah. So there's these three pastors, and they're in a boat. And um, uh, they're, they're all, this is kind of, they were fishing, and this is kind of their sharing time, right? They're where they let people know, uh, or where they get their sins out, kind of like a grace group, right? And the first pastor goes, man, I'm telling you guys, I'm, I'm really struggling with drinking. I drink all the time, and, and when the church gets me down, I go to the bottle, and it's really hard. Oh, brother, we'll pray for you. Next one says, well, I'm having a real problem with lust. You know, I'm really just having lust. I look lustfully, and it's, it's just eating me up. And he goes on, and he goes, so, so pray for me. They go, oh, brother, we'll pray for you. The third pastor goes, my problem is gossip. I can't wait to get back to town. <laughs> so, so we deflect, right? So they don't look at our sins. And so in doing that, we put them down to lift ourselves up. Now, two, two qualifiers. I got to watch the clock. Who was it? One of my own grace group guys said, I never heard David preach. I really liked him. I said, really? Why? He goes, I got home on time. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Two things we, a few things we need to be worried about. When we talk about judgment, we do have to judge. We do have to discern. But we discern situations. We discern circumstances. Right? If there's, a, we, if there's a circumstance that we shouldn't be in that might lead us astray, we need to stay away. See, that's that righteous judgment 
of God. This is bad. This is evil. This will hurt me. This will hurt others. And we have to use judgment, maybe say discernment in those instances. But the difference is, and we can condemn those situations. We can condemn those actions, but we never condemn people. Does that make sense? Because God doesn't condemn us. Even in his righteous judgment, we're not condemned. Scripture says, I love, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. That's the whole point of church. That's the whole point of grace. And this is where we get off when we begin, because of our own insecurities, beginning to judge other people. We, We lose the gospel because we begin to condemn people. And they feel condemned and judged, and they don't want to come to church. And, and we, we, go too, we go too far two ways with this. So, so we'll minimize the sin in order to, to forget that, and we don't have any truth. No, it's all grace. And so we minimize the sin, or we minimize um, grace, and it's all law. Does that make sense? So we have to be careful that we, when we judge, that we don't condemn ourselves. Because we can judge ourselves too, sometimes too harshly. And we condemn ourselves instead of our actions. And so we have to remember that we do not condemn people. That's the whole message of the gospel. Even though we are sinners even though we fall short, even though we have a lot of logs in our eyes, God has not condemned us, but he has given us a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. He has shown us grace. And he has cleaned up the person and loves the person, but condemns the sin. And nobody in here is holy enough to do that. Nobody in here is selfless enough to do that. Nobody in here is righteous enough to do that. So, Scripture tells us, don't judge other people. Because you're not qualified. And that's not the gospel. We can condemn actions. We can condemn circumstances. But we can't condemn people. The gospel is a gospel of grace. And you nor I am qualified to judge anybody. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience, for your kindness. Lord, I pray that you would each give us a heart of grace. That we know that we have been forgiven. And because we truly know that in our hearts, we can forgive others. And that we're all sinners. We all fall short. So we are not qualified to be the judge or jury. We are qualified to love the sinner and hate the sin. So Lord, we, as we come to your table, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us about the love that Jesus has given for us. Even though we deserved the cross, even though we deserve that punishment, Jesus took it for us because of his love for the sinner so that we are not condemned, but we are raised to new life in Jesus Christ.
our Lord. Amen.